0: Welcome to Game. Hey, guys, and welcome to GT Live.
1: It's our fifth episode of T series here on GT Live. And a we... big
0: congratulations oh. to us actually. Oh. T series. Uh, I believe we've successfully passed Beauty Pie.
1: Oh, thank goodness. Finally. I was waiting for it to happen.
0: Long it's been a long time coming. We predicted it a long time ago and I think it's it's finally happened. <gasps> T series may have won the battle, the war. Has yet to be won <laughs> the war, which is the quest to 100 million subscribers. T series.
1: I know they've actually we, they've actually changed that. I, I've seen PewDiePie tweeting out about that. It's like, oh, it's it's now down to the hundred hundred million subscribers. Right, hundred million,
0: which a cool hundred mil, man. shout outs to him for being determined to just stick it out to that point.
1: I mean, it's, it's not a good really number. It's a good control. round number. The thing is it's it's not really in his control. It's like at this point it's like, well, he's got he's got like this this tidal wave of momentum and it's just like, all Keep right, going. let's see where it goes. Keep
0: surfing, man. I'd
1: do the same thing. That'd be hey, it's pretty awesome. I, I wonder pretty if- awesome milestone. YouTube has to come up with some other sort of uh plaque building to dedicate in his honor or something when he hits 100 million subscribers the
0: laser play button <laughs> like if, if if you got you got your silver you got your gold you got your diamond what's cooler than diamond lasers the laser play button. This is a
1: hundred million. It better do something really cool. So it's, wait, it's just a laser display that says a hundred million subscribers. I mean, it, could,
0: it could be like Does a it transport
1: a seri- you through time or anything. It could I mean, be this a, is a hundred million subscribers. A
0: laser, a series of lasers reflected to create a YouTube play button would be amazing. Amazing.
1: I'm just saying. Lasers. Everything's got
0: to be good. Lasers, by their nature, make everything cooler. And, and I could see them doing, like, it's the Platinum play, but, but the Platinum's lame. No one cares about Platinum. Like, oh, it's like a diamond record, Platinum record, whatever. No. Lasers. This is new media. This is new technology. Where are my lasers? Where are they?
1: Anyway, guys, welcome to this episode of T-Series. This is, um, unfortunately, I think it's gonna, is it, are we, are we live streaming tomorrow?
0: No, we're live streaming. Too. Okay, uh, okay, good. It's not our only live streaming. No, week. we are still up for debate on okay. whether we're live streaming today. We may or today. may not be able to live stream tomorrow. tomorrow.
1: So uh, today we really wanted to take the opportunity to talk about this week's fun stories in uh, youtube news. And there's plenty to talk about. There's a lot to talk about today. Yeah,
0: this was a huge week for a lot of big announcements, uh, including yeah. an announcement that I was a part of, which is the reason why we weren't live streaming, which we'll get to here in a minute. But before we hop into all the YouTuber... Tea spilling news. Stephanie, what are you drinking today?
1: Today I'm going for a very straightforward mint medley. It's a gentle blend of spearmint and peppermint, caffeine-free and mighty refreshing. Mm. I was actually tempted to go with uh, the tea that, I kid you not, is called the nighty-night sleepy time tea. (laughs) But I felt like that might not set me up for success for this live stream.
0: She <laughs> just you just like <laughs> fall just asleep like... midway through the stream. I'm just like, All right, and now it's just Matt Pat Talk Time. Right. Hello everyone.
1: <laughs> um so yeah, I did refrain from that, but I do have uh some really nice some really nice sleepy time tea in my Wonder Woman mug, which I uh I really enjoy. It's actually sort of like the team Wonder Woman mug. This is, it's not actually mine, but I got a lot of comments on it the last time I used it. It is. It is a mighty fine mug.
0: Stephanie, you're and you're a mighty fine Wonder Woman.
1: Oh, thanks. Steph. Oh, pshaw.
0: Pshaw indeed. And
1: what are you drinking?
0: Uh, I'm drinking unbranded diet soda X. Ooh. But new unbranded diet soda yeah, X.
1: Definitely not that old unbranded soda. Nope. That
0: spurned me. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the soda that is currently neutral towards me. <laughs> you know, and what more can you ask for in your foods? Either that they're friendly to you or neutral to you. Once they start spurning you, though, mm, kick it to the curb. It's over. It's all over.
1: All right. Do you want to hop into the first story?
0: Hashtag cancel.
1: I, I know. before Cancel before, culture. Before you start to feel too upset about about certain soda brands, I think we should talk about your time at Stadia.
0: Yeah, at Stadia. At, I was at the Stadia. At the Stadia. Stadia.
1: Uh, no, S- visiting the Stadia. So
0: this is kind of the the story that we've branded today's uh, stream around. This is the thing that I think a lot of the gaming community is really talking about in in the wake of GDC. Uh, not in the wake, kind of in the midst of GDC, uh, which is the d- Game Developers Conference. you like,
1: I left, so it's over. I
0: had... I had to do stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I wanted to stay longer, actually, but I couldn't. We never
1: really get to hang around at events like that. No, too. it's It's, it's, it's unfortunate. We like, we're like, get there and, and get out.
0: But yeah, so earlier this week, uh, I was at kind of the, the pre-show announcements for Game Developers Conference GDC. Uh, I was involved in the Google... Announcement that they're throwing their hat into the ring when it comes to gaming Yeah, uh, you know for a long time gaming has been a uh, pretty stagnant. Uh, you've had kind of the same major players uh, Steam PlayStation, S- or Sony Xbox uh, Microsoft Nintendo uh, And th- that was really about it You kind of had your PC side over here You had a couple of consoles over here and and thus things were and thus they existed and now Google's like ha ha Throw both of those in the trash. <laughs> Surprise! We're gonna hop into the the gaming ring as well, yeah. uh, and so they announced their their new. It's not even a system. It's it's a weird thing to talk about because it's a
1: platform. It's like it's it's like if if it's like if Google was your ultimate um, console. And, but had, like, way, way, way more power than any console that anyone could ever afford to buy. And they're, like, running their console on their end. And they're just basically piping whatever comes out of it into your computer. So your computer has to do nothing.
0: Yeah, it's one console to rule them all, I yeah, guess you could basically. say. So, so they call it Stadia, which is the... the Plural of stadium. Yeah.
1: And by the way, this is not sponsored or not yeah, branded. No. Like he did the he did the speech with them, and um, it's just something that we've actually been talking to them about for quite a while. Like this whole discussion started back what like f- three four months ago or mm-hmm. something like that, um, where we first got involved in talking to them about like what is what is this whole we, thing. We didn't know what the name was. Yeah, we didn't. We d- didn't even know what the name. I was. I didn't find but, out. No
0: one actually knew yeah. what the name was ex- until literally like the dress rehearsal the night before like they had me in the room and I was just kind of like rehearsing my lines and all of a sudden like there were new words where once it was called either stream or yeti uh those were kind of the two code words and then it was like oh stadia and they're like congratulations you pronounced it right I'm like oh that's what it it is apparently um but but yeah
1: yeah. uh so we were uh, like we've been talking to them about like um partnering on it or at you know just having Matthew be a part of this announcement and um like we really we like really kind of grilled them about what uh, for as much information as was like humanly available or like they could possibly possibly tell us before doing this because we know you know the sense like the gaming community super 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 sensitive and so it was one of those things where um you know I, we Ha- we're having all these conversations leading up to it, and I'm I'm really excited. Like I I personally love this idea. So
0: yeah, and and I think that's one thing to call out here is so th- there's a lot wrapped up into this. First off, um, you know, in, in before we would confirm that like I would do anything with this, like Steph said, we grilled them for as much information as they were able to share with us. And I think because this is such a big thing, because this is such a new thing. A lot of it was kept under wraps to us, to everyone, even... I mean, there's still more that they haven't talked about that they're going to be revealing later this year. But it's one of those things that, you know before we're, like, you know, we're comfortable standing up on stage with this sort of thing. Like, let's start picking apart what this actually is because gamers are going to, like... Tear it apart. You know, they're they're going to tear it apart, and rightfully so.
1: And I think most people who, like, are looking at this objectively um, are, uh, like, understand its potential and understand also that, like, yeah, there's still a lot. The devil's in the details. Like, there's a lot of things that still need to be worked out for it to run the way that everyone is hoping that it will run. But um, unless you're, like, some sort of... Like really hardcore, I don't know, troll for some specific, um, for some specific console. You can at least see the potential and how this would open up the world of like playing video games to so many new well, people.
0: Well, so let's 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 rewind because I don't think we've done a really good job of explaining this, right? Which is the fact that Stadia is is not a console. It's not a you know, it's it it requires a, a complete rethinking of what it means to play a game, right? Like, we've always, you know, for since the beginning of time, right, you have a console or you have a PC and you download things or you buy a cartridge and you insert it into the thing and then you're able to play it. You download a thing onto your computer, you download a thing onto your Xbox, whatever, and suddenly you're able to play said thing. Um, Stadia is different, right? Uh, Stadia is this concept of your phone, your computer, your TV... Wherever you have access to internet is suddenly your console. and, yeah, so and accessing
1: a video game is now just like accessing a Google Doc. Like, the, the same way you open a Google Doc is, like, sort of how you would access a video game where you don't have to download it uh, onto, like, whatever you're playing from.
0: Right, exactly. And so, you know, with that you're able to span anything, right? And on during the presentation, they showed in real time how this could work, where you're literally hopping from your phone, you pause the game, and you hop over to your TV, and you start exactly where that was in, like, less than five seconds. You pause it there, and you can hop to your tablet. Like, it's crazy, and it is... What I do know is it does work as seamlessly as that, like that was a real time demonstration that they showed during the presentation.
1: Now, I do I do want to call out there's uh, been a couple of really good like apt comments in the chat, which I think are are totally relevant. Uh, Jonathan Mutelli says, I don't think it will be as good as Google wants it to be unless they get developers uh, uh, like the right developers onto the platform um they won't you know it, this all depends on the developers they get to actually agree to bring their games over to Stadia which is totally true well
0: sure and and so i think you know there's there's a lot to to wrap up into this right so so the first big announcement right is this idea that you know the games kind of exist in this cloud and you use your internet across all your different devices to to play them and and that in and of itself is a is a wild concept just because You know, for years, it's always been you have to buy a console in order to even – or buy a computer in order to even access a lot of this stuff. Um, And so I think one of the things that Google is thinking, one of the things I'm excited about when it comes to this is it already eliminates the the cost, like the startup cost, to become – to be able to play some of the highest definition games out there, right? Where – because Google is is doing this like processing power in the background like you know y- it's it's not dependent on you buying a four hundred five hundred dollar console it's you playing on the phone that you already have in your pocket it's you already playing on the computer that you have and it's able to deliver those high quality graphics or whatever without you having to like e- expend a lot of extra income it makes gaming a lot more accessible to more people I think um and obviously the the big limiting factor then is is internet connection and I think that's
1: that's everybody's big
0: question, and and sure, and and I get that. And the internet, I know that there have been streaming platforms. And
1: how much it'll cost? Yeah, which uh, also is like you know they uh, we asked for as much information as they could give us, and I don't maybe it's not even worked out on their end or something yet. But, yeah,
0: the yeah. it's interesting though. You have a lot of people who say like, oh, what's the cost? What's the cost? First off, like they even said like you're not buying anything. Like at most, you're either buying like. I I probably see it being a subscription service similar yeah, I'm to Netflix. Sure it's I gonna, it's I feel be. like it kind of has be a subscription to be.
1: Service, but people are afraid it's going to cost like $50 a month, which I but also understand like that would be a lot.
0: That is a lot. However, I would also challenge that by saying $50 a month is a lot, but you also are doing stuff like you're paying how much for Xbox Live? You're paying how much for, you know, the the PlayStation like on, yeah, people already online pay connecti- a lot for games. Yeah, that, that's the thing is you're already paying so much for online connectivity to all of these different platforms in order to play online already, plus the additional cost of the console to begin with, plus the cost of the game. Now, all of a sudden, it's all wrapped up into whatever that monthly subscription fee is. I I it's, it, I it's see it kind of balancing out. I know that there's like a lot of fears around that sort of stuff, but... I totally see it as, you know, instead of all of these kind of lead-up costs, and then there's a subscription on top of it. Here, it might be a slightly higher subscription cost, but it, it all kind of balances out to, to play the games. Yeah. Um.
1: Anyway, so that's we. So Matthew is part of that. Anything else you want to say about that? Uh, like about either Stadia or about your like experience? How was it? Were you nervous?
0: Oh yeah, I, I mean. The thing is, I love doing live on stage presentations. I love doing live shows. I like doing uh, speeches and things like that. But this was really scary because it was, uh, you know, it wasn't like a speech of like, here's MatPat giving his speech at VidCon or like, you know, talking off the cuff about like YouTube optimization or whatever. Uh, this was me being a part of someone else's big announcement. And, you know, a, a, one that literally the teams there had been working on for... You know, I, I talked to the one guy who'd been there since I think the beginning, and he's like, "This is, this has been six or seven years in the making, seven, eight, some, some like six a to lot. eight years in the making." It's I big think he culmination. said. But it would like to think about like I've been working on this project for so long, and then all of it comes down to like this is our announcement. Um, You don't want to screw that up for them. Yeah, and And as as
1: YouTubers, I think, like, YouTubers are very used to performing in their own show, but they're not used to performing in someone else's show, which can, uh, like, which which makes for, like, a very different dynamic if you're presenting as part of someone else's company. Like, we don't own any – we don't own Google or, like, Google employees, so you're just participating in their performance – or if you're, like, on a TV show or, um, like, other YouTubers have had Netflix series and stuff like that. And it's very different being a YouTuber who performs for yourself or participates in your own show rather than someone who it participates in, like, a bigger production on TV or something like that. It's, yeah. It's, it's totally different.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's tricky. And so there was definitely that, that – ner- anytime you're stepping on stage in front of a live audience, there's always that nervousness. But this was – more so, just because it was such a big deal for a big company, um, you know, it, it was an honor to be selected to be the person to kind of like uh, help represent the creator community. Um, and Even though
1: everyone said you were gay, sorry, man.
0: Spoiler <laughs> alert! Um, I can't
1: believe that people actually use that as like a valid. A they're like, oh my gosh, this point. so gay. Like, what is that? The- uh, what I didn't I didn't realize that that was still a valid insult. <laughs> Sure. But okay.
0: The um the the last thing that that's worth mentioning about this, and and it kind of was brought up, and it, it touches specifically on the role that I had as a part of this thing, mm. is the creator side. So I know in the past, right, there have been online like streaming gaming services that have been tried and didn't really work out. Like on live, um, the internet's changed a lot over that time. Um, it's gotten a lot more sophisticated. It's gotten a lot faster, and It has never been done by, like, Google. Like, I don't think many people could try doing something as ambitious as this and have it work. I do think that Google is one of the few, if only, companies out there who, you know, if it has a chance of working, they're the only ones who can probably make it work just because of the sheer amount of processing power, servers, you know, uh, and, and they're like ability to negotiate with the world trying to get them better internet speeds. Like you know, if it's if it's a Ubisoft or an even an Epic Games or something like that who's trying to get something like this off the ground, I think they have a lot harder battle to make it actually work as seamlessly as they promise. Google, while they lack a little bit on the gaming side, but I think they're very actively having conversations with gaming companies to to learn it. I think what they lack in kind of that sophistication, they make up for just by their sheer dominance over the world of the internet and their sheer, like, power when it comes to computing, uh, to make this sort of thing work. Um, also, the other thing that they have in their pocket that I, that they're already using really smartly and that the presentation touched on and that I know a little bit more about that I can't say, but the the way that they're integrating YouTube and the way that people watch and consume games beyond just playing them is really smart. During the presentation, they showed, like, you can watch a YouTube video of, like, the trailer for Assassin's Creed or, or even, like, a theory of ours, like, Bendy and the Ink Machine, and if we wanted to, we could, like, link to the, hey, you finished the episode, you want to play the game yourself, click right here, and you're in the game within seconds. You know, it's it shows an understanding that people consume games by watching them. And a lot of times, they, you know, that's a really cool thing. That got me excited. That got me hyped for this game. I want to test it out myself, or I want to explore the game myself. But, you know, I have to download it, buy it, whatever. No, you don't have to do any of those things. Hop right in immediately just by clicking one button at the end card. It's pretty cool. Um, they, they have kind of the, the market on, you know, the YouTube culture and gaming is such a huge thing here. I think it's one of those things that it really merges the two worlds in a smart way and gives them the competitive edge, again, in a way that only they can do. Like, maybe, maybe if Amazon tried to do something similar with Twitch, I could see them accomplishing it, but yeah. So that's, it's a, it's a really, I think it's, it's a tough prospect. I think it's, it's very disruptive and anytime you're trying something so radically different, it's gonna be facing a lot of challenges. But it's one of those things that I like it in concept. I think it has a lot of really interesting potential. I'm curious to see where it goes. Cool. Next.
1: Want to move on? I think we should probably move on to the next story or we're never going to get through anything today. (laughs) We have a lot to talk about. It's a big
0: thing. And anytime you're talking about something that's going to potentially disrupt an industry that's been stagnant for a while – you know, it it, mer- it merits a discussion. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of nuance to it, too. Like, there's a lot of complicating factors when you're thinking about h- how does latency get involved? How does how do you deal with lag? How do you deal with internet connection speeds? Uh, even stuff like the announced state share. Like, okay, I share your state, but then from there, do I just play all the way through to the end of the game? Do I get all your items? What if there's a microtransaction in there? There's a lot of weird nuances that come with this idea of, like, you're gaming on the cloud. It's very, very interesting. Uh,
1: there are a few comments from the chat um, that are that are relevant. Um, one is that uh, – um, about privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about just a really big data company taking on gaming. It seems like they're going to have more information on us than ever. That's probably true. Oh, they already
0: know what um, – And then – At this point <laughs> – they already know everything. All the all these companies know everything. They read your cookies. I it's, it's hard, I think, to avoid it at this point.
1: And then a focus on uh, whether they're going to focus on multiplayer versus single-player story driven games and what developers they're going to prioritize letting into the Stadia system um, if they're only trying to promote uh, the multiplayer, like everyone plays together kinds of experiences, and trying to make sure that they balance those. Um, when you were there, you were specifically advocating for indie games. Because they haven't actually included um, some of those, like some of the big ones there yet. And we were like really encouraging them to go after some of like uh, that, just like those in general and trying to trying to tell people about what the big ones were.
0: Yeah, it was it was one of those things where just backstage, you know, they're obviously keeping very tight lipped about like what games they have confirmed, who they're talking to, things like that. But, you know, I was a big advocate on behalf of, hey, if you're not talking to the indie studios already, you should be, because not only do you have some like just huge names that would i think be very eager to be a part of this platform like like Bendy and the Ink Machine obviously Scott with all the FNAF games uh you know Undertale like a, a lot of these really big indie titles that have found a lot of success here on YouTube um but also i you know just from a sheer money standpoint i i can't imagine the amount of money they you have to pay to license like, the EA library or the Activision library or whatever, but, you know, for that same amount of money, I'm sure that you could get access to just, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of indie development studios who would be more than eager to to take that money and really run with it and design things that work as best as possible with kind of this new way of playing. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's... I don't know what they're thinking about. I don't know, you know, exactly who they're talking to. But, uh, you know, I was there advocating on behalf of the indie games where I'm like, guys, if you're not already considering this, you need to start talking to these people because they're going to be so excited about this. The, the gameplay opportunities that opens up is very cool. And for a platform that really is, is trying to foster kind of this new sense of creative development uh, without boundaries, this, this is the way to go.
1: Yep. What do you want to talk about next?
0: Uh, hey, so one of the other things that happened this week that people were asking us about was um, Superwoman.
1: Yeah. So like I mentioned before, um, it's very different when uh, YouTubers are performing for themselves versus performing in a TV show or on someone else's on someone else's show. And Lily just got tapped to step into some pretty big late night talk show host shoes on NBC, right? It's NBC? Yep. Yeah. Any thoughts?
0: Carson Daly, right? Yeah, it, yeah she's, she's
1: stepping in for Carson Daly. Um, she's going to be taking over. I don't know when that transition is actually happening.
0: I think it's like, well, I don't know when that transition is happening, but it's the like 1.30 a.m. time slot. Or it's, it, it, When did it, they say it's the late show? It's
1: the late it show.
0: The late show. a <laughs> uh, very, very late show. What are they
1: calling it? A little late with Lily Singh? I like that.
0: Wait, is that what they're calling it?
1: No, I, th- I that's just the nickname I think that people are giving it online.
0: That's adorable.
1: I know, it's really cute, right?
0: I didn't know. It. See, the, Stephanie knows more than I do. So
1: thoughts, um, as someone we we both know Lily. You know her better than I do. Um, the last time we saw her was at a Google event in October of last year. I saw
0: her at a Christmas party. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I saw, I saw her at a um, Joey Graceffa's Christmas party. So
1: actually. yeah, we we see her around and about. Um, she gave
0: me a little. Uh, we had a white elephant gift exchange, and I think she was the one who got like a little plastic version of Baby Spice, and she's like, oh, I don't really want this plastic version of Baby Spice, and I'm like, I will take that plastic version of Baby Spice. I can't believe she didn't
1: want plastic Baby Spice. I mean,
0: Baby Spice was always the best Spice Girl. Oh, be the
1: best Spice. I, were you a Baby Spicer? I was, I a, baby was spicer. a Baby Spicer. Really? Yeah. Was everybody just a Baby spicer No,
0: no. Baby Spice was controversial. I feel like.
1: Do we have any other weigh-ins? Anyone else have a have a Spice Girl that I they bet liked the chat other has than Baby opinion. Spice?
0: I also bet the chat is half the chat's like, Who's are who are these Spice people that you're talking <laughs> about? So if, an old. Girls' group. They were like the sync, but they're girls. back.
1: They're being retro is cool. The '90s are back. Everyone knows who the Spice Girls are.
0: Yeah, sporty, posh, scary, mm-hmm. ginger, and baby.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Sporty, posh, ginger, baby. scary. Always
1: kind of get the got the short end of the stick because she was scary, and so people didn't really want to necessarily identify with scary. And I feel like posh also sometimes got overlooked because no, people, people were posh. like no but because she was so stuck up though you didn't really want to be like oh I totally relate with posh because she was kind of she was kind of a snob
0: I think that people just didn't know what the word posh meant and so everyone's like what all these other ones make total sense to me but posh what, what is this what is this garbage must be one of those British things since they're a British girls group ah, yeah, It must be the Brits ah, who knows
1: I'm seeing sporty all day from I was gonna say Sunflower 87 sporty was spice controversial Urshel, are you crazy? No, uh, uh, that was from Bread Bear. Baby Spice for Life says, "Flowering Flame, uh, spicy, 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 spicy." And that's just a general love of the Spice Girls, I believe. That well, was 95. from Mr. Crab, Scooby Doo.
0: Sporty or scary? See, nice. See, Baby, I, 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 I don't know. I liked Baby. I was, I was young and influential. I thought she was cute.
1: Right? Oh no, she, she was clearly the best. I also identified wow. with her because she wasn't. Wait, baby Spice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because she was, uh, she wasn't a troublemaker, you know.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I can't like, abide by it's people. okay.
1: I just want everything to be nice.
0: I like that we've assigned all these personality types to the different Spice Girls who we know nothing about. not have
1: them. No, not Although at all. Emma Bunton, which is her real name. Wow. I know, I know, went on to become like a mom of three and she just like, I think she just like hangs out.
0: Exists on her pile of money.
1: Yeah, which, why wouldn't you? Great. I mean, I think that's a great decision, actually. Smart. Um, and then Posh Spice, who is Victoria Beckham, went on to marry uh, David, Beckham. David Beckham.
0: Not, not <laughs> doing too bad for herself. She
1: has like a bunch of kids, but she has like a whole fashion line and does all this other stuff. I don't really know about the other 3.
0: Scary went on to oh, she I mean did she's awesome stuff. Well, Scary's hosting or at least Hosted. she was uh, a, a judge on America's Got Talent for a while. That's
1: right. Yeah. I don't know if she's still she was doing actually it. a really good judge on there.
0: And then what was it? Ginger ended up quitting the group early trying to do her solo career and it didn't work and then I don't know what happened. Jerry yeah. Halliwell.
1: So anyway, we've gotten a bit and, off track from Lily. And
0: Sporty, I don't know. So anyway, Superwoman, speaking speaking of the the girl group Superwoman, um First off, it's always awesome to see other YouTubers get opportunities in the traditional media space. Like any time that you're able to see YouTubers cross over, it's, it's exciting because I think it starts to break down the stigmas that we've talked about on the channel uh, in the past where a lot of old media, a lot of traditional media, they see YouTubers like they don't get it they dismiss them, they think of them as, like, second-class citizens, and so the more crossover that you get, the better off, I think, you are, because it, it starts breaking down those walls... And it exposes the people who are making those decisions to like, hey, working with YouTubers isn't so bad. It isn't scary. Like, isn't they're, they're so not so
1: bad. It's just a little bad. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's
0: gonna it's gonna take them a while to figure out like, hey, this this is just kind of a, a, a the new wave of things. Yeah. That being said. I do worry a little bit about this.
1: What are your worries? Well, tell me your concerns. I
0: mean, simil- it, It's a double edged sword, right? Because any time a YouTuber has one of these opportunities, it's great because it's like, hey, this is a this is our at bat. If I can use a sports analogy. Well,
1: I don't. I don't know. I, I <laughs> for those for those who aren't with the sportsing, that means this is our chance. Yes, this
0: is this is our at bat, right? And if you strike out, that you're done, means, son.
1: That means. To go through a series of chances in which all of those chances fail, and then your turn is over.
0: Right. And so, thank you for translating, Steph. And so to me... I understand. There, there's a lot of pressure with these sorts of situations, right? Grace Helbig and the Fine Brothers a couple years ago had their at-bat. They had their chance. And neither of their shows ended up working. And it was, you know, covered by all the press. Like, oh, look at the YouTubers. They didn't translate. No one watched their show. These were hot messes. And the
1: way that it's always framed in the media is, see, we told you so. These YouTubers aren't talented. They have nothing to offer. And they're just, you know, they're just online and doing stupid stuff for the kids. And that's, like, and that's really how, like, it's covered when you read articles about it. And... It's just it's really sad to see that happen, and so we'd also don't want to see that happen again.
0: right. And so I think, yes, and it's been a a, a decent amount of time since there's been such another you know large publicized you know, largely publicized opportunity like this that we're seeing happen with Lily. And it's great, but it's also scary, especially if if you ask me, I think you know late night talk shows, late night comedy has a very specific connotation to it. it. It has a very specific style to it, right? So when I think of Superwoman and her channel and what she is most known for and what, you know, she has, you know, made a name for herself and is, uh, you know, perhaps most comfortable with, it's very much sketch comedy. Uh, it's very much like I am putting on characters, personas, um, you know, personalities from people I know or my everyday life, people in my family, and making funny s- scenarios of them, making funny sketches. Late night is not that. Late night, in a lot of cases, is let's sit down on a couch and have an interview or do, like, you know, a game where you're being, like, witty on a couch together.
1: Yeah, you have to be really off the cuff. You have to be a comedian, but a comedian with someone else where it's it's not really your sketch it's you have to like respond in the moment in funny ways um like I mean Colbert is one of the best people I've ever seen at doing this kind of thing in an interview setting um there but that's what late night talk shows all have to be really proficient in. Jimmy Kimmel is also very good at it
0: yeah I, I mean if you think of, like I've even watching Lily perform on stage even she's I mean she she is a lot like me actually where like I'm I'm up. I'm moving around. I'm using the whole stage. You know, you're a lot of big gestures. A lot of you know, like you just have. A, she has a lot of energy, and I have a lot of energy. And it's to suddenly sit down behind a desk and kind of like have to dial it in, or sit down for the camera and have to dial it in. Like it, it's 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 a contrast to kind of how she's normally seen, how she has performed in the past. And I think that that makes it a hard prospect. And couple that with it being like one thirty in the morning. And is her audience really the type that's gonna go watch a show that's, like, super late at night, super early in the morning, on traditional media... Or are they going to watch the
1: clips of it on YouTube the next day? Right. So, And and maybe that's the play, actually. It might be. Maybe the play is actually to build an audience on the places where young people are actually watching content because they know that the show is going to get chopped up into pieces and then put over onto YouTube. And they're like, hey, you know, everybody might not watch this at one in the morning, but you can bet your butt they'll watch it at 9 a.m. the next morning on YouTube in, like, four-minute increments, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the strategy, and that wouldn't be such a bad strategy, to be honest. Yeah,
0: I also I also worry a little bit just in general about, I don't know, Lily Lily has taken a lot of breaks recently from her channel. She's, you know, obviously been doing a lot of, like, off-platform work, and, you know, this being the the latest of those, but she's done – a lot. I mean, she knows the Rock at this point. She has a lot of celebrity connections. But she and Will Smith are like that. Her and uh, that's all. Yeah, the Rock, Will Smith. Like, who else do you need to know at that point? And it's one of those things that when you kind of start immersing yourself in that world, you start to lose your time or ability or you know, connection with the audience on where you first started.
1: It's really interesting that you say that, and I want to call out this comment from go 3 which I was uh, planning on, on pulling up anyway. Mm-hmm. As someone who watched Lily sing, I have mixed feelings about this. She's made it very obvious efforts to distance herself from the platform. And it sounds like this this person, KatieG03, it sounds like you've been a longtime fan of hers, and I think that speaks to what you're saying, where if you stop posting on YouTube for long periods of time, obviously, everyone needs a break but if you stop posting for months at a time or if you're really inconsistent about you know are does this channel exist does it not exist are you doing stuff on youtube or you're not doing stuff on youtube it does send kind of a confusing message and i think others have struggled with this as well um michelle fawn back in the day when mm-hmm. she launched her whole makeup line it took up so much of her time that she couldn't keep up with with youtube and doing that and so um she you know her channel went through a really weird period there um and even liza koshy right Mm -hmm. um who took a massive break from youtube and she you know when she does post her stuff still does really well but there isn't that like constant check-in with her audience anymore which i think over time does have an effect
0: it happened with uh tyler oakley too with uh when he started mixing in with ellen and and it is it if you're not managing your time correctly as a YouTuber, like you for us, right? Our question always is like we have to focus on where our audience is first and foremost and the things that have been able to open up these opportunities, you know, first. Like that that is kind of the hub where everything exists. Like these are the people we are loyal to. These are the people that we have to, you know, serve and deliver quality content to. Everything else on top of that, is nice to have, and we want it to, you know, it's stuff that we want you to enjoy or benefit from or, like, get to see us in new lights, which is going to be exciting to you, but it's always starting at that core. And I think a lot of YouTubers, when these sorts of opportunities arise, lose focus on where they started, and once once you kind of lose focus and start deviating away, it's it's hard to kind of, like, go back to that because you've shown that, you know, whether it's true or not, you've shown that, hey— you might not be as high of a priority as, like, I as the viewer think we should be. Uh, And and YouTube as a platform has just moved on, the audience has moved on, and you've kind of – what once was, like, a very stable, solid base – Starts to get a little shaky, starts to fragment, and starts to kind of like fade away.
1: And there are two things that uh, the chat is addressing that relate directly to that. The first one is just uh, from Angel C twenty eight, who says, "I think it's great that she got the show. I'm a big fan, but I believe traditional media is more likely to pick someone like Lily who relates more to popular culture rather than someone like Matt Pat. Sorry, man. Um, okay. And then also, I'm
0: totally uh, <laughs> related to popular
1: culture. Janice, we have a whole channel dedicated to movies. Movies are very popular.
0: Games <laughs> Janice are popular now Walker
1: so. says. Michelle, Michelle, as in Michelle Phan, turned out to be a meanie anyway. So, um, and I, I don't follow her closely, so I don't know if her if she has the perception that she's turned on her fans or something like that. But if you stop producing videos, if you take a long time off, it gives people the chance to assume that you did it because you don't care anymore or because you don't like your audience anymore or you hate YouTube or whatever it is, rather than having those regular check-ins where maybe – whatever was going on with her she could have explained her side of the story and maybe people wouldn't think she's a meanie um but it's i and again i don't know the story but it's one of those things where if you aren't regularly communicating just like a a relationship in the real world like relationships between YouTubers and an audience or like a viewer are a relationship that you have to keep up just like you wouldn't just stop talking to someone in the real world because if someone stopped talking to you all of a sudden you would assume that they didn't care about you anymore Right. right
0: yeah no absolutely and so so I guess to wrap this little segment up and and kind of my thoughts on the superwoman stuff is it's great for her I'm excited for her I'm excited for you know, the continual breakdown of kind of that barrier, so that way, hopefully, there's a little bit more acceptance on both sides of the spectrum, that, hey, you know, we're not each other's enemies, like, YouTubers are worthwhile people, too, like, let's actually support this community. But at the same time, I worry, because it seems like there's a lot of stuff that is, you know, riding against her, riding against the show, and, like, it, it's it's gonna be a tough uphill battle to fight, and if it does end up going poorly, I don't think people will pin it on, look at all these mitigating circumstances, look at all the reasons why this went wrong, and instead just be like, oh, just another example of a YouTuber who didn't deliver. And I think that's the biggest concern that I have.
1: Yep, exactly. Because
0: when that happens, it hurts the whole ecosystem. It, it makes all everybody look bad. Yep. And and that's probably not Lily's fault. That's I, it's just TV executives, just in a lot of cases, not understanding or knowing what's going on. Lily not wanting to pass up a, a really good opportunity, and but just oh my gosh, it if you work. were
1: offered that job, we'd be like, go for it! Oh yeah, yes. I mean, we would. We would You'd have, way you right have you have to say yes. You have to say yes to that kind of opportunity. Um, all right, I think we are ready to move on. College. Let's talk about college. Let's talk about. People's parents who bought them into college Steph, bribed wanna, their way in.
0: Uh, yeah, you want to you want to summarize this little story stuff? uh
1: yeah. So I uh, basically what's happened and what's unfolding. Um, I'm actually a couple days behind on this story, so there may be new revelations here. But uh, essentially, there were a bunch of um super super rich parents, including some celebrity parents, um who were involved in this scandal. Who basically um started working with this college service um, that was basically supposed to help your kid get into college. And the way these normally work, there are lots of amazing tutoring companies, college preparatory companies out there that really make a big difference when kids like take their courses, they get better SAT scores, all of that. So that's what this company looked like on the outside. It looked like like a tutoring, test prep kind of service, but actually it was just an insider like bribery mechanism where um, it was a company that was set up to... Um, have fake people take your kids' tests for them um, where you would pay them more and more depending on how high you wanted an SAT score or an ACT score to be for your kid. Um, They would help fake college applications or uh, the best one is that they would um, secretly work back behind the scenes with coaches of college sports teams and fake Uh, That students were athletes like someone who had never played lacrosse in their life would suddenly get uh, into college because they were going to be playing for the lacrosse team.
0: Yeah, that a lot of the sports teams get a certain number of. Basically free passes.
1: Yeah, they can pick, like, 20 kids or something.
0: For the crew team. Yeah,
1: they're not necessarily on scholarship for that sport, but they're specifically there because the coach of that team wanted them to come play whatever sport it was. And so they would bribe – this company would bribe the coaches behind the scenes to be like, hey – give us one of your 20 spots for this, like, schmo who's never picked up a basketball in their life or whatever, um, but, you know, they really want to go to this college, and it would be, you know, really top-tier colleges, like, you know, Harvard, the Yale, mm-hmm. like, the I- Ivy Leagues and, like, big, uh, big-name big schools.
0: Yeah, so you're, you're seeing Pretty
1: a lot— crazy. Yeah, so you're
0: seeing a lot of big names kind of wrapped up in this thing, and it's kind of exposed this whole— dishonest industry about buying kids into college, with kind of the the focal person or kind of like the main figure yeah. in this whole thing uh being uh Aunt Becky from Full House. Yeah. Uh which, you know, I grew up watching. Uh is she on Fuller House too?
1: Yeah, Fuller House is like She's now, on Fuller oh, yeah. House they too. Pulled her. Oh. They, they pulled her. Yeah. They
0: pulled her from Fuller House. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, the, I think the house just got they- a little less full a <laughs> little bit little bit more room in the house. At this point,
1: so um,
0: <laughs> and her daughter, uh, her who born,
1: is, her daughter is a YouTuber. Yeah,
0: her daughter, who is apparently a YouTuber. I, I, she was not one that I was familiar with. No, up uh, until this point, Olivia
1: Jade. But, um, but here's the thing. Um, and and I think it's okay that we like show her because the thing about this was that the well, kids, a YouTuber. Well, so. she's a YouTuber, but also the kids didn't know. It's not like the kids were bribing this, like, these college coaches. The kids, most of the time, had nothing to do with it, which is the crazy part. And, I mean, there are so, so many things about this story that are just insane. Um, The kids, like, didn't know that they were, like, being bought into these colleges. But think about what that says for the parents. Mm -hmm. The, The saddest part about all of this, I think, other than that, like, obviously deserving people didn't get into those colleges because someone else like bumped them back in line by buying their way in um but the really one of the really sad things about this is that the parents of those kids didn't trust them enough to get into college by themselves or to be successful by themselves it was it, like can you imagine how little faith or how little trust um, or, or like how not proud of your kids you must be to feel like you have to buy them into college. Like, my kid is such an idiot that I have to buy them in. That's so sad. That's so sad.
0: I mean, it's it, and it's funny, too, because uh, apparently they did a BuzzFeed video. This is one I saw circulating around on Twitter, but they did a BuzzFeed video with uh, Lori Laughlin, who is Aunt Becky uh, and who was the one caught up in this, where she, it was her and her daughter in this BuzzFeed video, and the, I mean, she's just talking about, like, oh, we don't put a lot of pressure on our daughter, we just kind of let her do what what she's, as good as she can do, you know, follow her heart, try really hard, and that's good enough. And then fast forward to this whole thing, it's like, apparently it wasn't good enough to just try with your full heart, because uh, you had to, slip someone some money on the side to to you know make sure that she got into the college that you really wanted to. Uh, apparently her performance did matter a bit more than than you were letting on there. So tough nuggets. Yes.
1: And now the ironic thing is that this story has I- I'm sure like she will move on, she will get over this. Not Lori Laughlin the daughter um will will she will come out of this eventually, but she's lost huge numbers of followers. She's had to drop out of school because her whole time there has been like, like null has been a lie, um, and so it's the, it's also the kind of thing where in trying to get her kid ahead, um, these kids' lives are are just like totally thrown into chaos. It's
0: it's funny. I uh, I saw an, a, again another tweet that I saw circulating, but I thought this was kind of amusing. Where you know you have guys getting wrapped up. It was basically like guys get wrapped up into scandal for sexual harassment and this and that. Women get get into scandals for trying to get their kids into better schools. Like, just the disparity of those two things. Like, guys, acting like jerks. Girls, trying to help their children out.
1: I mean, help their children, but um, come on now. Okay, so the other, other thing about this, right? Oh, man, the other,
0: other, other, other thing. The real T
1: of this, I think... Also, is that okay? The
0: real unbranded diet soda.
1: Hey, um, is that they found right this this company that does this? But if anyone thinks that this is the only company that does this, they are. Crazy. I think this is actually an entire industry. I think that there are likely tons of companies that are like this who are doing these exact same things and are either going to be uncovered or they're oh, going to yeah. have to get a lot smarter about how they run their, like, shady business operations. Because um, I, th- on some level, if people didn't know that the really, really rich people, i.e. no one that we know but you know, mm-hmm. but people we know of. Like, if there was any doubt that rich people bribed people at some level to get their kids in to good colleges, to good internships, to good jobs, like, I think we were all kind of fooling ourselves. Absolutely people do that. Is it fair? Ab- no, totally not. Um, well, but it's something that it it happens, and this is, like, kind of the first time where it's being brought into the light.
0: Well, that's, and I, and I think that's the thing that, is fascinating to me about this is, I mean, for years, and as people who went to college, you know, we we saw this sort of thing, right? Where you have this general mentality. It's It's a recurring joke, but it's not really a joke. It's just a truism that people are like, oh yeah, that person bought their way into college. Like, oh, that person comes from a big donor family to this college. And so... The idea that, like, the super rich or the people that have the money are able to pull strings by donating to the the alumni fund or buying a really expensive bench or, you know, because benches cost an egregious amount of money, like – we get, we get hit up by the Duke Alumni Fund all the time, and they're like, do you want to help buy this bench for 20000 It's like, who the no! hell is paying $20,000 for a bench? No, go I'll to, go to down Home to, Depot. I'll buy you one God. for like 120 bucks at the Home Depot. Jeez. Like, even if it's porn, con- what are you doing? <sighs> but it's one of those things, I hate right? the
1: Duke. Matthew can tell you, I get really irate at the Duke Alumni Association because I had to pay off a lot of college loans, and I worked my butt off to pay off my sure. college loans. Like, so hard. I ate beans for years and nothing but beans so I beans. could pay off you know what that means. <laughs>
0: so,
1: a, a lot of fiber. I was extremely regular for years. Her colon was cleansed. <laughs> um, but I had to pay off all these loans and I still would have like 20000 $30,000 of college loans. And the Duke Alumni Association would call me up and be like, do you want to donate to the school? You could help paint the helmets for the football team with your donation. And I want
0: it. The
1: things I wanted to say to the person on the other end of that phone can never be revealed on the internet. But I, like... (laughs) The idea of, like, people who worked really, really hard to get through college and to pay for it contrasted to people whose parents are, like, gazillionaires and just donate, like, a couple million dollars to the school and all of a sudden their kids all have, like, a free pass to go. Yeah. It's, like, crazy. Yeah, so I think
0: think that was the thing that's interesting to me about this is, like, I I guess this was for the families who were, like, rich but not so rich that they could buy a whole wing – and name it after themselves, and then, like, you're yeah. set for life with that These school. These are
1: just the uber-rich, not the uber-uber-rich. You're right, yeah, <laughs> the
0: the point 0.1%, not the 0.01%. Um, the last thing that I I think is fascinating about this, too, that I, it just blows my mind, and I don't quite know how to wrap my head around, is this idea of, okay, so you buy your child's way into this school that clearly they wouldn't have been able to get into otherwise, and then what? Like... What are you? Ex- are you paying for their grades at that point? Like, like they still got to pass. They still got to get a degree at the end of this thing. And if they there weren't, there are
1: lots of easy degrees, at, uh, even well, at really high end schools. But it, so you like, can okay, find great, deg- degrees that are like kind of a cakewalk. Okay,
0: great. You're like a woman's studies major at Stanford, or but is like. The, your degree does I don't matter. Have, I,
1: I don't know anything about women's studies degrees at, at Stanford. Maybe they are really, really rigorous. Yeah. We're just using that as a random example. At Duke, the women's studies. Underwater stu- yeah. basket weaving. At Duke, women's studies, uh, the department was really new, and so the classes were not very well organized. That's that's where we're – And so, like, at common. Duke, that was kind it's of okay. the go-to. Matthew is not being not. misogynist or, like, sexist <laughs> by you. saying that women's studies is not – like that you shouldn't study that. Okay, just want to no, make it was sure just widely don't considered
0: add up. at Duke to be one of the easier majors. It, yeah.
1: That and I think Theater.
0: here, here, let's let's the- change it. Yeah. Theater. theater. <laughs> come 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 join the theater major friends where all the football players are so they can learn the difference between a metal voice and a Hollywood voice and a broken earth voice. Um. No, I'll I'll say like the theater major at Duke, especially if you took the right classes, was super easy. There were some that were really hard, but they were you know it was super easy. And so like okay, great. So you become a theater major on your way out of Stanford or Duke or whatever. It's not helping you necessarily get a job. Ge- What's it doing for you? Like the major that you walk out of your college with does matter you know to a lot of employers and so buying your way in is not the equivalent of buying your way out and buying your way to like a better job and more success down the well, line. Well so I
1: think that I think that people think that if you get into college then you meet the right people right? Yeah, sure. A lot of people go to college for the networking and I know that sounds weird but they don't go for the degree they don't go for the classes or the professors or like what you should be getting out of it intellectually they go for like meeting the right person who knows somebody who's rich at the time top of, like, whatever, whatever company and can get you the best internship because you know them. Nepotism, nepotism, nepotism. <laughs> I
0: mean, and, and that's true. Like, granted, this is something that I did. So, uh, real dank Floyd 6996. No, no. Dank Floyd 6996 says STEM is the only good degree, which, honestly, Amen, like, brother. I mean... It, it, I was there. You're, STEM. You're not necessarily wrong. Like, of, of the degrees that really matter, STEM, STEM degrees are... So important, like those are the ones that really matter, you know. Um, but that being said, uh, what I was gonna say is, shoot, we were just, oh, darn it, I You had,
1: did, shoot.
0: I know. I was gonna say something about it. I did. Oh, networking. Wow. You networked oh in oh college? the network oh the networking stuff. That's what it was. So y- you're totally right. Like, I missed the boat on this, and I should have done better. I've always been of the mindset of hard work pays off, and. You know, if I just buckle down and grind it out, you know, talent, hard work will win the day. You know, I I like things that are meritocracies. I like things that reward smart individuals who are willing to just, like, you know, give it their all and grind away and, and do well. And... So, this idea of networking and building out like your social network in order to call in favors from your successful friends, you know their rich ahead. families, yeah. the alumni to whatever who has a position at wherever high powered company I hate it, I hate it, I hate that game, I hate that mentality, I hate calling in favors for other people i hate i I just hate asking for help i'm just like like. I will that's do true. it. I will do it myself. I'll do the research, I'll figure it out, I'll look at the data, whatever. That is the type of person I am. And that's and that's a failing of mine, like quite honestly. And and I as a result did not make the most of my college career. I would
1: say the same actually. I I totally agree. Um and when it comes to networking and stuff, I I will Um, Not admit this. I I don't think there was any issue with this. But I will say um, Matthew and I went into like trying to find a job during the recession. And the person who got me my first job I knew from high school. Um, It wasn't like someone I went to high school with. But their dad worked at a company who referred me in and was like, Um, and and was like, Hey, I'll just, I'll pass your name along so that when your resume comes through the stack, someone like recognizes you and, and gives you a call back. And, um, and you know, I went through like a zillion rounds of interviews on my own from there, but I think having someone in your court to like mention your name or whatever, it, it really does help. And so I, I understand why people do the networking stuff. And that's what business school is all about. People yeah. don't go to business school. It's so, like you can read, you can read business theory from like textbooks on Google. Um, but you go to business school because you're trying to find like your next business partner or the the next person to fund your company or whatever. Um, that's that's the reason you go. And it's because of stuff like that because someone just me- casually mentioning your name somewhere can just get you in the door. It's, kind of, it's crazy. And like, I hate that culture too because it seems so random and it doesn't seem to be like tied back to the hard work that you do but um but I and I'm like always torn between being like no I'm just gonna like we're gonna grind everything out through hard work and and then on the other hand being like but this is the way the world works and you have to like get to know people because that's the only way that you're gonna like Get out there in the world. Yeah,
0: it's and and I think that's a good way to kind of end this bit of the discussion. Is for any of you who are in college, for any of you who are planning on going to college, are on the way to college, or even just out in the in the real world working right now. Like, First of
1: all, don't bribe your way. Don't 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 use the service that buys your test results.
0: That's even though it's really poopy. easy to fake your way into an SAT. That's I'm sure. just poopy. <laughs> uh, but the the thing I would say is you know swallow your pride. Uh, cause I, cause I think that part of it is pride, at least speaking personally, like part of it is pride. Part of it is like, I don't need other people. Like I can do this myself. And you know, these are the rules of the game and other people are playing like it, it doesn't necessarily seem fair. It doesn't necessarily feel all that rewarding in a lot of cases, but other people are doing it. And as a result, they're you know, they're able to kind of succeed and take your position or kind of like skirt around, you know, loophole or jump through loopholes that you're not able to. And so take advantage of the time that you have to, to meet other people and don't be ashamed or embarrassed or shy about asking for help if you need it uh, because...
1: Asking for help really does help.
0: It does. <laughs> it, it It's the best thing that you can do. Because, uh, and, and I mean, th- that's, I guess, just in life in general, right? Because if you're not asking for help, people don't know. You know, and that could apply to a job. That could apply to college. That could apply to just, like, mental health. You know, like, people aren't mind readers. They're busy with their own stuff. They're, you know, busy living their own lives. You have to be your own best advocate. And you have to... In all of these places. In, in, in everything, yeah. right? And you have to let it be known out to the world... I need help.
1: Yeah. And this is what I want to do. This is where I'm going. I need help to get there. Can you help me? Yep. I mean, that's like, that's, it really is. And it, I think, um, like, the sooner, the sooner you embrace that, really, the the more of a difference it makes. Yeah. If I could, um, if I could
0: do it all over again, like, that is something that I would have done differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that, like, looking back, I wish I had known Coming out of college as I as I went in, you know, yep, that's definitely. I think it's it's something I learned way too late, uh, and it's something I'm still not comfortable with, but it's something I've I forced myself to get better at, um, and it makes a huge difference.
1: Um, and just to wrap up this topic, Taryn Helderman says networking and hard work is the best combo. You can have someone refer you, but you need to work to get it. And uh, if Yoma Smith says, um, how can the children not be aware? That you need a certain grade to get into top-notch schools. This is a long-standing tradition. And we've had other people in the chat mention that um, they are like a second or third um, connection to someone who is actually involved in this scandal. And they're like, yeah, the kid's knew." So that is not official news or anything like that. But um, I would imagine that some of them had to know something was going on if they were getting C's in class but suddenly got accepted to Harvard. Sure. There must be something going on.
0: Next, All right, next story.
1: Yeah, what's next?
0: James Charles. So uh, during James a previous Charles. T-Series installment, we talked about how James Charles, uh, YouTuber, beauty guru, became the largest, uh, most subscribed beauty channel on YouTube. Uh, young guy, super young, um, having tremendous amounts of success on tr- the trending tab like every other day. Um, super, co- well, another person who's super well-connected. And
1: is known for being super well-connected. That's actually one of, one of the things. Um, and, and some Speaking people give up. him a lot of flack for this. Um, that he, in order to get where he's gotten to, he's done a lot of strategic collabs. So basically really targeting people to collab who um, are like a little bit bigger than him, a little bit more popular than him, have a slightly different audience than him, to tr- to pull in more and more audiences and just sort of like, pull them all under his umbrella. And I think a lot of, you know, he's gotten some pushback for for that strategy because um, on the one hand, it's like, oh, well, you weren't really friends with these people. You were just using them for collabs. Uh, but on the other hand, from a business perspective, it's really smart because he was like, I, you know, I want to grow my audience. You have a channel that overlaps with mine. Let's do a collab together and whether or not we're actually friends in the real world, it'll benefit us both from a business perspective. So, you know, I like you decide on that one, but you know, he's a strategic guy. Clearly he's he's got a lot of business savvy and as we've come to find out this week, he is really into raking in the ad dollars. Yeah, and and,
0: and and before we kind of get to the main meat of this story, I think what Stephanie just called out is is interesting to talk about briefly, which is this idea of, like, social climbing on YouTube, right? And, and using your connections to help better your, you know, your status. Uh, like Steph said, say what you will about it. But, again, it's one of those things, like we just talked about in the previous story— Where, hey, people are doing it, people are playing that game, and they're seeing a lot of success through it, so can you truly fault them for playing by the rules of those games? Yeah, like, it's it's, it's tough. You have to kind of draw your own personal ethical lines. Like, what are you comfortable with, what are you not? I mean, tell you what, I don't think in the music industry... People are collaborating, you know, Cardi B and Bruno Mars. Do you think that they just had a a collaborative song come out? Like, are they best friends? No, probably. The the record label set them up. Hey, guys, you're really popular. You're really popular. Let's put them together. It doesn't even matter if the song's crap.
1: But I do think on YouTube there is this expectation that if you – are doing a video with someone yeah. you know them and you like them behind the scenes and you're almost like a personal advocate for the people you're collabing with like when um, i agree like, I, I like i really believe that like when you go on um, onto nerdy nummies it's because you like nerdy nummies you like rosanna you like the team that she works with and like behind the scenes we hang out, mm-hmm. and the same goes with a lot of the other collabs, like like with James. How we were just uh, we did some VO for James, and like odd he, ones out, uh, odd ones in out. In case you don't know, yeah, his, sorry, odd, his real
0: name, yeah,
1: odd ones out. Um, and he wore his game theory jacket uh, in the airsoft in, tournament in the Mr. Beast with, with Mr. episode, um, which was awesome, and. And behind the scenes, like, we have text conversations with him where we'll, like, talk about stuff. And when we see him at events, we, like, hang out. Um, and it is, a, like, it's, like, a personal advocacy thing. And so I think that's why people sometimes feel betrayed if YouTubers are just, like, oh, they're just collabing for the views or whatever.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think it's it's old school versus new, new school in a lot of ways. Like, you look at the Logan Paul, Jake Paul, you know, new tuber generation or a lot of people who kind of came up in this wave four, what we call wave four of or generation four of YouTubers, you definitely see them using it more as a business and brand growth platform than you do as like a creative outlet, like, hey, let's do stuff with friends and make cool things. Um, And so, yeah, to them, this idea of like collab for collab's sake, grow for grow's sake is it's yeah, it's par for the course. Like it's it's the music industry. It's the you know our two popularities combined equal newfound popularity. Whereas it's it's weird to say, but like you know us, we're we're very old school in that approach. Where it is, it's like hey, you know we tend let's to only
1: collab with people who we really know and we really like, and we've you know talked to them about it. Um, it's a it's a like, big
0: reason why nine
1: times out of ten we still like them at the end of the collab. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's it's a big reason why we you know we said yes to doing Escape the Night. Quite honestly, was because I wanted to meet a new group of YouTube. Personalities who I wouldn't have gotten exposed to anyway, and and get to know them, and see what new friendships could develop, and then also from there, you know, who else can you work with? Who else can you collab with? Who else can you hang out with? In between, and
1: that's how we ended up meeting and starting to hang out with like Sophia and uh, you know Roy and stuff like mm-hmm. from like Guava Juice, um, and uh, and they're awesome people. But um, yeah, I think there there is for us like that. It, it feels important to know who you're working with and who you're collabing with um, but I think as YouTube just gets bigger and bigger I think a lot of those collabs are going to become like less
0: personal yeah so so which anyway we're, sad, but, so, oh so we're old man YouTube over here like the awkward dad of dad and mom of no. YouTube over here the only
1: thing the, the other thing that we feel awkward about which relates well, back to the James Charles stuff is
0: mid-rolls yeah so okay so the reason why we're talking about James Charles right is isn't so much like this new tube, old tube, you know, style, collab, social climbing, this and that. It's actually the, the big story around him this week has specifically related to his usage of ad breaks, right? So obviously at this point there's kind of the whole like, if your video is over 10 minutes long are going to get paid more. That's not necessarily true. And, and I think that it's worth calling out that myth right now mm-hmm. where, yes, a video that's 10 minutes long might get suggested – more frequently because it has longer watch time on the whole and YouTube as a platform rewards videos that engender watch time, but inherently speaking, a 10-minute video will not get, like, monetized better, you know, get more ad rates or whatever than a 5-minute video. It gets more views, potentially, because it gets suggested more, and it offers the opportunity to insert another mid-roll ad. Which, if you insert a mid-roll ad, yes, now you have two ads in a video instead of just one.
1: Yep, and uh, so so we've always been very reticent to use midroll ads. We've been afraid that people will click away. Um, it, the data that we have basically says that people people don't usually click away from midroll ads. They're like, okay, I can deal with this, um, especially if it's a creator that I want to support or that I enjoy watching. But
0: but so so James <laughs> Charles has taken it to a new level, or at least his audience is claiming that he's taken it to a new level. Where uh you know someone tweeted at him. Uh, A a YouTube So basically The YouTube beauty guru Was called out by a fan Who complained That his most recent video Contained six ads
1: Six ads You guys So,
0: So the tweet went like this James sister Six ads in a 24 minute video Please stop girl I know you gotta make that money But maybe two to three For 24 minutes Is okay I don't know I'm tired of ads Being the new transition To which James Charles Responded On Twitter Six ads On a 30 minute YouTube video equals roughly four minutes of ads, which you can usually skip and which YouTube takes a huge percent of. But a 30-minute TV show has eight minutes of non-skippable ads and no one questions it. Please stop complaining when YouTubers recognize their worth. Hmm. So, thoughts, Stephanie. Six minutes on a 24 six ads on a 24-minute video to which, you know, James Charles says, that's four minutes of ads, which you can skip.
1: So I think he's conflating things here. On the one hand, he's saying YouTubers are worth more than they get from their ad rates. And in, in a lot of cases, I, I would potentially agree with that. Not all cases, but some of them. Um, a lot of people produce really, really high quality videos that are very expensive to make. And YouTube ad rates are not super in general. Um, and so he says... Don't complain when YouTubers realize what they're worth. Now, well, realizing I, what... No, wait, hold on. Okay. Yep. Because, uh, because when he's saying that YouTubers realize what they're worth, he's saying that you, the audience member, need to be the one to realize that and sit through the ads, not you, the advertisers who are placing those ads, yep. need to pay more for them. So I think he's at, he's... He's clapping back in the wrong direction to me, Mm -hmm. to me. Um, And this is just my opinion. I think he's clapping back at the wrong people. He's clapping back at his audience who are the ones watching him day in and day out and supporting all of his videos. He's blasting them with ads. Meanwhile, the advertisers still get to pay the same super low ad rates on YouTube that they've always been paying and they're paying way more for those television ads, which are the ones he's comparing it to. Yeah. So it's like, if you're going to clap back, clap back in the right direction. Yeah. It's (laughs) that's my, that's my hot take, you know, uh, more power to him being like YouTubers are worth more, but yeah, they're worth more to advertisers. Stop penalizing your audience. And in the same breath, I will say that again, Two to three ads, I think that is actually a much more acceptable level. I think that's that's actually fine. PewDiePie puts a lot of ads in, other other people do this. I think it is fine to have more than one ad in. I think I think that's a bit excessive. Six and twenty four <laughs> I think uh, six is a buzz. What a is lot. that? One
0: one every four minutes? Yeah. Whew, that's a lot of ads. Yeah. Uh, so and and I think Stephanie brings up a really good point here, which is this idea of yeah, YouTubers realizing their worth. I, I Like, very few TV shows are able to pull down a mi- over a million views on a, on a video, right? And let alone 2 million, 3 million, 4 million views. Like, you know, you see, like, James, Odd One's Out, you know, we were talking about earlier, you know, friend of ours. 10 to 25 million views on a video. Granted, he does one a month, but still, like, just massive amounts of views. TV shows don't pull those sorts of numbers, right? But you are still looking at, you know, ad rates that are, like, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what you would pay on TV. So, like, I get that. I mean, that's partly why we did a, you know, our video about, like, what YouTubers won't tell you, you know, and specifically calling out gaming, how it's underserved, how it's undervalued, and calling out a lot of the hypocrisy of advertisers when it comes to approaching YouTube, right? Where you have a lot of really high quality, and and I don't even care how much people are spending on their videos. Like, say what, James Charles, not spending a whole lot on his videos, I I would assume, but it's one of those things where just, he's just very popular, he he creates stuff that's really interesting, really engaging, awesome. Millions of people want to watch it, that should be worth something. So I'm totally on board with that. And I agree that you shouldn't be forcing the audience to have to pay. Like, I, and, and that's in essence what they're having to do. Like, since the advertisers aren't making up the value, aren't paying the fair rate that you're actually worth, let's instead shovel more ads into this one video and it's the, the audience who ends up having to pay the difference, right? Through yeah. this really painful process of watching all these ads. I, I, like Steph said, we've never been big fans of mid-rolls. We've never been big fans of shoving more ads than that. Like, you know, I, I feel guilty about putting, like, the ad at the end of the video as well as the beginning of the video. Like, we've never been those people. However, in this new YouTube ecosystem, and this is, this is spilling the tea, we're feeling more pressure to insert more ads, like Speaking that is Speaking of
1: which, thank you for our sponsor today. They'll be playing right now. No, I'm kidding. They're not. There's no mid roll playing right now.
0: <laughs> there might be. I mean, we do insert. We insert a mid roll on the live streams every 15 minutes. Yeah, I think, is, every is 15 our policy. minutes. 15 so, minutes. W-
1: so in James Charles language, we should have like 14 ads in a live stream. I mean,
0: so for every for every ad that we're playing, he's playing three. Yeah. And a half.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so... And it
0: puts us at a disadvantage. I mean, honestly, again, this is one of those, like, we're old school.
1: But YouTube actually encourages creators now to put more ads in videos. So uh, on the one hand, in James Charles' defense... (laughs) His man, his partner, like his contact at YouTube, may also be specifically telling him to shove more ads into videos. Like that's not a joke. Yeah,
0: I I struggle with this because we uh, we just had a meeting not too long ago with YouTube where they're like, you do realize that you know you could if you're worried about your ad rates, you can shove more ads into your videos, and it's and like you're that's, like
1: N- maybe that's not the best idea, but they're the literally point. just like you could always just put more ads in, and it's like. Oh.
0: And, right, and, and for us, it's, I mean, we are very, for. And, and again, this goes to the question of like, you know, why don't you do a Patreon? Why don't you do any sort of fan funding? Why don't we have memberships on this channel? Our philosophy is always and will continue to be for the foreseeable future unless, you know, some big Something changes happens. happen or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we want to pass the buck on to the big advertisers who have the money. Right. Like we don't want like our funding to come out of your pockets because you have better things to do with your money. Like, great. We appreciate you wanting to support us and, you know, show your love. We're going to
1: ask people to spend money. We we want you to get something in return, which is why every time we do merch, we're like, we love this merch. We work really hard on it. It's super great. So if you want to support the channel, that's a great, honestly, that is a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not shilling or anything. But when people ask like, oh, is there super chat or there memberships, it's like, if you if you send money towards something on this channel, we feel really strongly about you getting something in return, which is why we work really hard on the merch that we do. And, yeah, buy some socks.
0: You know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, because then you get a really good, high-quality physical product that we spend a lot of time on and that, you know, is is actually worth the value that you're getting. Like, yes, you can send us, uh, you know, like digital money on this and that, but... It, I don't know, like having a physical product that you can show and wear and that keeps you warm and that reminds you, like that is just so much more valuable to us. Um, if we had digital goods that we could send, we, you know, maybe that would be a thing too. It's just like yeah. for us, that's kind of always been our philosophy. But in this new YouTube ecosystem where you are seeing creators shoveling ads everywhere into their into their videos, you know, it. one, we're hearing, like you said, like from YouTube, hey – consider putting more ads into your videos. Yeah. And and two, think about this, right? Can you blame YouTube as a system for undervaluing videos that aren't delivering as much money? Think about that. Yeah. Like, consider this, right? Like, there's a limited amount of free space – on YouTube, on your watch page, right? In your suggested video, on your homepage. You know, there's only a handful of videos that can show up in all those prime places. And so if I'm YouTube, and if I'm the algorithm of YouTube, am I going to be showing you the videos that are free or getting me a couple cents for every view? Or am I showing you the videos that have like, you know, five, three, four, five ads in it that are going to get, you know, a bunch of watch time through all those ads and are going to get me, instead of, you know, a couple cents off of the one ad, you know, a, you know, 10 cents, 15 cents, 50 cents off of every individual view, off of the three to four ads that are getting pumped into that thing. Yeah. They, they are worth more money to YouTube, and thus the system is more incentivized to spread those videos further. Right. Because it's just making more money for not just the creator, but also the platform for YouTube.
1: And we've I mean, we've had talks about with YouTube about this stuff and they say that like at whether your video is monetized doesn't doesn't affect where it goes on the platform doesn't it if a video doesn't have ads or you don't want to run ads on your video um, they're not going to suppress it or anything like that so we have had that conversation with them but it does continue to be like this this interesting question to talk about And,
0: and I mean you can't necessarily blame them right like it's a platform that has to earn money like everyone else and so you know you want to earn as much money as possible and it's expensive to run youtube it's expensive to to deal with all the employees and all the servers it takes to feed high quality video to you know billions of people around the world i get that i understand but at the same time similar to the like the the collab social climbing stuff it's one of those things where i'm i'm very old school and i'm like i just by the nature of what we do i don't want to shove a bunch of extra ads in there because I, as a viewer, would get annoyed by them. Right, exactly. And so if in future game theories and film theories you see more ads, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs>
0: but it it's what the system is kind of – like, it's starting to get to the point where I'm feeling that, you know, we just – to you play the, by the rules of the game, and as the rules of the game change – if you don't change with them, you get steamrolled. You lose, right? You fall out of contention.
1: And also, if it's the kind of thing that everyone else does and, and viewers actually don't mind as much as, like, we would mind, then it's also not as big a deal. Um, all right. So I think we have time for, like, one more really quick thing, which is probably going to be… Uh, Sheen Dawson got engaged.
0: <laughs> he did.
1: Uh, He got engaged And uh, It's a Like Every time there's a big YouTuber announcement Everybody gets excited And it's really fun Um, And Anything Anything fun or interesting To say about that
0: he also had a controversy with his cat.
1: Yeah, he had a controversy with his cat <laughs> in the same week. It was a bit rough. Yeah, yeah. talk about a roller coaster, man. That's a right, That's, that's a, a bit of a weird one. That's
0: a whiplash across, well, I think it was like a, a day apart or maybe like two days apart where all of a sudden he's trending on Twitter. I'm like, oh, wait, what did Shane Dawson do? Did he like announce his new palette? Did he yeah. start like a new video series, whatever? Oh, no, it, it was someone had, again, like this this craziness, someone had dredged up a an old... Uh, an old podcast of his, where he tells the story about um, cuddling
1: up too close to his cat, feeling
0: a bit too good with his his friendly cat.
1: It's a bit crazy, um, but I think a lot like he he like sort of wholeheartedly refuted it as. Talked about how his old podcast contained like you know jokes that he wouldn't make today, stuff like that. Um, and then a few days later, he's engaged. So, right.
0: So, lot, yeah. So a lot I, of stuff going on.
1: Uh, so he's had this sort of like uh, roller coaster of a week. Um, and I did not go back to listen to the old podcast or I something. Did. It was one of those things where I was like, I this really, I I, I have better things to do. <laughs> I did, and and
0: I you know, I totally understand and get that it was you know meant to be a joke. That's. But it's hard to tell, you know, and I and I think that's it's similar to kind of like some of the PewDiePie stuff in the past, right? Where a joke in
1: poor taste can be taken seriously. Well, it's
0: if you're doing a joke, and it's a joke that is edgy and is extreme, it's yeah, you have to be really clear that it's a joke. Or you know you ride a really da- you just you just play a very dangerous game right I and it's, and it's not just with YouTubers I, I think YouTubers are subject to more scrutiny because of the nature of what we do right where we aren't so much characters on like whoa it's the character of looking look at him everything I'm saying here is a joke no like Shane is portraying himself on his podcast PewDiePie is portraying himself on his videos like he's Wait, not we're
1: supposed to be ourselves right yeah, now yeah sorry. <gasps> Oh, I've been doing this all wrong. I'd
0: I'm like to wrong. see the, I'd like to see the real Stephanie.
1: No, this is it. Sorry, this <laughs> is all you get. No, this and, is it. And <laughs> and so,
0: like, I I definitely think that you know, being a YouTuber, people are just more inclined to think that everything that you're saying and everything that you're doing is legitimately from you as a person, not necessarily you as a character or you as an entertainer, right? So, in that podcast, when he's like, "Got a little bit too close to my cat," yeah, I'm sure. Like, even listening to it. In the, in the wake of this whole thing, I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have necessarily thought that that was a joke, that oh, it's, it's just a story. Um, and so it, it rides a really gray line, but even in traditional media, right, like you have James Gunn who I think can definitely be wrapped up in this sort of thing, right? James Gunn is the director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Disney fired him uh, because of some insensitive tweets that he made uh, years and years, like over a decade ago. Um, And he's like, those were jokes. I was trying to be shocking and edgy, and my comedy back then was distasteful. uh, But, you know, it wasn't meant to be in any harm. It was just shock jock stuff. Um Which is the same stuff that Pewdiepie was doing and the same stuff that Shane was doing um but you have kind of it, it, it it's a tough balance, right because a lot of times when you're saying these as personal stories or like tweeting out that like a, a monkey you know attacked a kid in in kind of a, a graphic way where where the joke ends where the st- the realness ends and the joke begins is really difficult to identify in social media yeah um that being said, James Gunn
1: – Back as a director. Got rehired.
0: I think it was – uh, and, and I've heard rumors that this – He actually wasn't – true, Like, he was fired, but kind of. But, but they were was, like,
1: okay, we just got to wait for your story to die down, and then we'll bring you well,
0: back. Well, that and also the, the Fox merger was the other big one. Uh, that they're like, hey, once this Fox merger is done, we're going to be able to bring you back. So, like, as I, I've heard the rumors that, yes, it was serious, but it was also one of those things that they're like, hey, we don't want this actually – muddying the waters with this whole Fox merger going down or our acquisition of Fox. Um, And now that it's done, they're like, hey, hey, he's back. Don't worry, guys. It's all good. It's all good. Um, But yeah, I I, I don't know. It's... It's interesting to see who can bounce back from it's just a joke versus who can't. Yeah. Um, And I
1: also think it's in the way you handle it, too. Yes. Um, Now there's like sort of an online protocol for like how to apologize at this point. Um, And good apologies versus bad apologies really make a difference. Um, And I think also demonstrating like a pattern of personal growth really makes a difference to people, too. So, um, yeah, the Internet is, is a tricky place. But I, for one, am glad that James Gunn is back. On, back on the docket I'm glad
0: that James Gunn is back on the docket I was worried about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 I'm glad that Shane got engaged I hope his cat's okay you know jo- <laughs> joke or not he's got a very cute cat <laughs> I like his cat a lot you know great Good. I love my cat too
1: in the right in the, in the in right the, way you know
0: I, I pat him gently
1: <laughs> on the head
0: with my hand in, in the best ways possible. Uh, <laughs> and we try to encourage Oliver to do the same. Yes, exactly. Not, not by grabbing. Ollie, Ollie has this tendency to want to pet Skip. By go like, straight
1: for grrr, the tail, just too. Just grab. Yeah, yeah. Just like, ah, no, Oliver, this is bad. Uh,
0: skip, to his credit, is incredibly patient yeah. with him.
1: Um. So Uh. anyway, I think that wraps up our stories for the day. Yep.
0: So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is... The tea. The tea has been spilt once again. This time on a Thursday. Ooh.
1: Yeah, this is a uh, this is a good one. There was a lot to talk about. Um It's been a big week. It has been a big week and we will be back next week. Um we may or may not live stream tomorrow. Uh we have a lot of filming and recording to do tomorrow, so it's gonna be stuff. a really busy day, but if we can possibly do it, we will. Um so we may see you tomorrow. But if not, we will see you back on Monday.
0: Yes indeed. So uh you know, if if we are live streaming it'll be tomorrow, I don't even. I can't even say a time because I think we have a meeting at four, but so it might be earlier, it might be. I don't know. Anyway, uh, maybe we'll see you tomorrow. If not, then we are back on Monday, the usual time, four o'clock p.m. Pacific time, with another update of T series. Hopefully Tuesday. Hopefully enough happens that we we can talk about it on Tuesday. Oh,
1: There's always more drama. There's what? always more tea. There's right.
0: always more tea a brewing and ready to be spilled. So we'll see you then. In the meantime, remember. That's just a stream. A live stream! Thanks for sipping the tea. Ooh. Ooh. Chink. Oh, that's a good sign-off. I oh, like that. that is good. We're, we're slowly getting better at the sign-off. Right?
1: Want to say goodbye in the chat? I do. Paranormal Girl says bye.
0: Oak is typing, says I have an entire project still to finish well. Rewind and listen again, friend.
1: Elijah billet says bye.
0: Mary Stegall Smith says I love you guys.
1: Uh, and Kimmy really says this was a great GT Live.
0: Oh, thanks, guys. There was a lot going on t- this week. It was a lot.